0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Kia ora and welcome to the Kim Hill Collection. This interview is from 2008. JJ Joseph is a man who quite viciously assaulted his wife and had to attend a court-ordered programme. And this programme helped JJ to reform himself. He then wrote a book examining male violence, particularly domestic violence, and how to combat it as a society. The foreword to the book was written by the late Celia Lashley, a long-time prison officer who became well-known for her books about raising adolescent boys. Celia joins JJ in the studio. This is a really challenging, uh, poignant interview. It discusses domestic violence in some detail, so do be judicious about whether or not you listen to it. Um, By Kim's admission, it gets off to a pretty rocky start, but hang in there. It's, It's really worth it.
2: Two years ago... J.J. J. Joseph was convicted of a violent assault on his wife. And then, against the odds, he turned his life around. It's not a common story, but he proves that it is possible, albeit not easy. J.J. J. has written an account of it in a book called Fighting for My Life. The foreword to the book has been written by Celia Lashley because, she says... Real progress on violence will only happen when men speak out against it. Both Celia Lashley and JJ Joseph join me now. Hi, how are you both? Kiara, welcome. Morning. Let me ask you first, Celia, bring me up to date on your Good Man project. Where are you at on that?
3: I'm continuing to work, um, talking to, to schools around Australia now and doing some work in New Zealand, but the main part of the Good Man project for me is that schools have picked it up. And in line with the business of men needing to stand up and speak about violence, I did the Good Man Project as a. I was agreed to do it as a woman's view of explaining to other women about the world of men, but my contention is now men need to pick it up. So I'm having discussions with some men in New Zealand about their need to... um, there's some more work to be done, but it's time men did it, not women. You mean speaking out, saying it's not okay, well, as the well, advertisement puts it? Well, not only, the whole range of it for me. So this is at one end about men actually saying good men don't hit, good men don't engage in violence. But right down the other end is about men being involved in the lives of their sons, men defining what the rites of passage for male manhood are, not women. So there's a lot of stuff being driven by women's voices. Women say men should, mm. and I hear that all the time. Women are constantly, we are constantly saying men should. And so I've had my go at saying this is what the world of boys and men look like. Now men pick it up. I'm not doing the next, but you guys do it. And is and JJ picking it up? JJ's picked it up and carrying it. JJ's actually, in my view, I mean, I wasn't. I, I when I was approached to do the forward, never hesitated because. It's the issue of staying focused on when men decide to do it differently, men who've been caught in a pattern of behaviour and who stand up, and despite the pain, the guilt, and the and the fear that comes with it,
2: they decide to do it differently, and he's done that. Let, let's cut to the chase, JJ. The the assault that you committed on your wife was what?
0: <clears throat> oh, yeah, it was...
2: Um. You hit her with a spade, yeah.
0: Yeah. It
3: was a serious assault. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's no hedging from that. You're quite. You, it's hard for you to sit in that space. Oh, for sure, but you, but it was a serious assault.
0: It was serious, yeah.
2: And at what point did you realise that the way you'd been living, which involved drugs and it involved violence, was not okay? Actually, did it? Did it require that level of violence to 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 bring you around?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 a horrible thing, and then of course, yeah, that, that is what brought it around. Because you know? the
2: point you make is that the way you were brought up, you were brought up with violence. You thought it was normal, did you?
0: No, I, I didn't think it was normal. I always tried. Um, always tried to. Always tried to do right, you know, it's just, uh, I can't, can't explain it. I don't want to have to, um, because I was brought up in that type of life that it was normal, I don't totally agree with that. Uh, I thought I could always have a bit of insight through seeing what happened in me and my brother's life when we were young to realise, oh, always thought in my life oh, I'd never do that, you know, i have seen the pain, you know. Yeah. I've held my mother and seen her cry and tried to work as a three-person family like stated in the book, and no way did I ever think... It was normal and I'm going to be like that. I think I, I think at this point you just get angry. I didn't think. I have no excuses. Like I've taken full responsibility. What's in the book?
2: That was one of the interesting things <sighs> I
0: wanted to ask you about, you know, that
2: you've seen all that. You've held your mother. You went through all that dreadful stuff when you were a kid. You would think, the common sense would say, that you'd you'd run a mile. From repeating
0: that, yeah. How,
2: can you explain how it happens?
0: Um. Well, maybe not necessarily. Like a, you asked me the question, I understand. I understand what you're getting at. Yeah. And um. And I'm not saying. I guess there's probably a whole range of people that. <clears throat> like I'm not a psychic. You know, I can't tell you what goes on in the in the minds of a uh, of men that would. Would do that, of course, I'd love to have run a mile, of course, I would love to have uh taken a deep breath and had a time out and thought, you know, hey, this is time when you when you go, you know, but uh I don't know, maybe it could be training through what I've seen through my life, no no guidance, but I can't keep going on to why I, I didn't no. run and only because of, well, one
2: of the admirable
0: things about your book is you don't make excuses, yeah, well that's it, I could give you a whole lot of. Crap, you see, yeah, but uh, I can't can't let it go to the audience that I'm making excuses for no. my behaviour. I can only only yeah, I think you know, yeah.
2: and that's quite a difficult thing, isn't it, Celia? Between understanding, mm-hmm. understanding yep. and making excuses, yes,
3: and and I I guess you know, um, Jo JJ and I've had several uh, conversations, and um, and also I've talked to others, and it seems to me my my analysis is that that children watch and and see stuff and they, and they, they sit in the middle of that and they want to do it differently and they remember the pain. But once they come to adulthood, the unfortunate thing for us as adults is that in moments of stress we revert to what we know. And so we have all of this learned behaviour sitting in the back of our head. And this is not a, you know, the psychol- psychologist would put it in much more better terms than me, but it's as if in the moment of stress we reach back and we go to what we've learned.
2: Mm. And, and It's not as if that's a hard concept to understand. No. I mean, I don't think there's a person who would deny that we repeat patterns of some kind, well, even to the point of, you know, ha- who,
3: the partners we choose. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, the best one for me is the number of times as a 55-year-old woman that I hear my mother's voice come out oh. of my mouth. You know. <laughs> is incredibly Ah, frightening at times
2: you know it's that kind
3: of the things i thought i'd never say so and the thing that and joe's jj's right the the thing that i would um the thing that i would concentrate on and that the reason that i'm you know advocating and for the book is that here we've got a situation where he makes no excuses he stands up and says i did this and and i hate that i did this and now the question is what do i do about it and he's and something's brought him to the place of the the level of hate for what he felt himself do, and the level of guilt has a end. He's taken the hard decision, which is to move through that shit actually, and out the other side. Mm.
0: Like um, it's hard to hard to get. I was thinking last night that um, oh, if I had a bit of a game plan, or you know, one one how to word it, because it's hard to keep trying to explain my book and all that. I you know. know. And to to go on to it, I think um, <laughs> that book when I started writing it, it made me remember my childhood. Which, for whatever reasons, I blocked out, and um.
2: So it was a painful experience writing the book, or a... uh.
0: Oh, it sure was. Um, for the main things is I forgot what it was like to be a kid. You know, I always thought I'd write a book when I was younger, it's just through really maybe what it was like for my brother and I to go through and and seeing a lot of stuff happen in our house and to have to live with it, thinking that no one's out there that cares about us or anything like that. But I didn't really think that later on in life I'd actually be a, a lead character on it, <laughs> and uh, I was that little boy in the room, young, crying. You know, I think I might have those things were that painful for me back then. Then when I started writing to it, all the emotions of when I was young come through, and it's been like the biggest sticking point to realise what kind of pains I would have put my kids through if I, if nothing changed.
2: How are your kids now?
0: They're wonderful. Yeah, they really are. I'm glad they are. Uh, glad three of them are a lot younger. You know, they didn't see very little. But I won't be silly to say they didn't see nothing. And I, I can't change what happened back then. But I've uh, been home a year now, and uh, everything's wonderful. I've got a whole, the anger and the fight's not in me. Uh, I was saying on the newspapers and all that, I feel like a, a shell of a man. Which I was talking to Cecilia, and then I think, that sounds pretty stink. You know, I'd done a, a radio phone to a reporter, and uh, it sounded like, I was nothing positive, or she asked me, is things positive now? I said, yes, but I feel like a shell of a man, and it kind of, to me, I thought, oh, that was a, a silly answer. Like, I, for what I thought was um, strong in and in a staunch man and all that, it's, um, I didn't mean to say a shell of a man, but I hate myself for what I'd done. They tell me that I need to forgive myself and learn from the mistake, which I can never, it's hard for me to do. You can't forgive yourself? Hell no, you know. Um,
2: has your wife forgiven you?
0: Uh, well, she's stuck with me all this time. She could have, uh, you know, I tell her, oh, yeah, I don't, I I don't the... want to get into talking about much about her, but no, no she'd no, have no. to love she me has, and stay with She has the right
2: me. to privacy. One of the, the, the really interesting things about your book is that you're writing it in r- real time, Yeah. so you convey exactly how you were thinking when you were back there in the dark days committing the violence and what you were thinking was she's not doing something for me you're blaming her she's not talking to you she's not giving you enough love when in fact nobody could have given you enough love right yeah you had you were a black hole
0: well i had to i had to love myself you know i had to, you know it seems a bit vain and it's not really the right word I had to find my self-worth, I had to find my happiness, I had to what deal with my What is your self-worth? Path.
2: Do you know, can you explain mm-hmm. that to me? No. How have you gone from feeling worthless yeah. to feeling like you have a value?
0: Well, I, I don't even give myself that leeway, you know. I, I can't. I don't really know what I'm good at, I don't know my value. The only thing that kind of gets me by nowadays is I'm content with myself, you know, whether it be... Whatever I am, I, I can deal with and stop beating up and stop trying to hurt myself. And
3: wouldn't it be true, JJ, that the other thing that we've talked about is that you talk about the the shell of the man, and that's really a poignant um, expression. But the thing that I have heard him talking to you is your who you are now is your you're a husband and you're a father. Yeah, and and, and that's that's where the you've you've come full circle to understanding that they actually hold the essence of who you are. Sure. Would
0: that be true? They're, they're so so true. Without them, and you're not supposed to say, I'm, I'm you know, without them, I'm I'm nothing. You know, people say you gotta, you know, learn that I am something. And there are a lot of good things in me which I you know, don't need to talk about on radio. But I need my family. I love my family, and uh, I just gotta keep working at it till I die.
2: You giving up the drugs?
0: Yeah, love it. Actually, yeah. being straight as a buzz on itself.
2: You started doing drugs at a ridiculously young age. Yeah,
0: don't we all? <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> I think I finally lost my nerves. 12,
2: <laughs> Twelve years old, you yep. know, is that was that common in in your sphere of society?
0: No, well maybe, no, I wouldn't say common, not any, you know, not even it in is in our neighbourhood. It is now it is now. And Celia, yeah,
3: and yeah, my senses I mean, average middle class kid, you know, will, will not touch the heavier stuff, but but I would guarantee almost every child in New Zealand has the opportunity to access cannabis in the first year of secondary school. Um and they've certainly been dabbling with alcohol before then. Because parents don't pay attention to what's in the alcohol cabinet, so so we can talk about it being that you know that class of people or that group of people. But the work I'm doing now would tell me that it's it's usually as they enter adolescence that the first experimentation
2: takes place.
0: Yeah. Anything, just try escape, you know, one stage or another.
2: Not just youthful experimentation, but actually trying to escape because you were having a horrible time.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a cop out that turn to drugs. I no. enjoyed it, I guess back then too. Would be Good another thing, rain. but <laughs> you
2: know, I mean, exactly right. Yeah. You know, but then, what did you end up doing in terms of drugs?
0: Oh, just like I was stayed in the book, just kind of tried everything, like everyone else. You know, drugs isn't <clears throat> drugs isn't a a big thing that I like to go on about. You no, know? Um, I don't do drugs now. And what I,
2: was the hardest thing for you?
0: In, in what aspect?
2: To in, t- to turn things around. What was in the, my
0: life. Yeah. What
2: was the hardest
0: thing? The hardest thing was uh, trying to live my life not like, try to do everything opposite than my father done, to try to keep myself in check that I didn't end up like him, to provide for my family and to try to love them the best I could, to actually uh, ending up like my father, having some outside forces tell me I can't see my kids, to lose every right I had as my, with my family, to like end up having nothing, you know, to trying to get some outside help or my family help and get put up with my grandmothers, who I love so much, to having no Thank rights heavens at all. I having to a grandmother, actually. For sure, from, you know, having everything, which I thought probably wasn't a case of not having enough, it was just I still wasn't happy, thinking I had all the problems in the world, to actually having everything taken off me. And uh, I think what else is there to, you know, to make someone change their life?
2: Let's talk about your father for a minute, because that's a, a, a really interesting story. After all his domestic violence, he um, he died a hero, yeah? Mm. Tell me about
0: that. No, I don't, I don't even like talking about that. I've got to have respect for the dead, you know. He's gone.
2: He went protecting a woman uh, during an incident of domestic violence. Yeah. That's the irony of it, isn't it?
0: Well, yes, yeah. Strange, but... Yeah.
2: Do you feel compassion for him now when you think about him?
0: Oh yeah, you know I, I forgave him a long time ago only because it was killing me. You know it was killing me, hating him it was, it was no good. I could never get what I wanted from him. I already we never could never trust him. But at the end of the day, he was still my father. You know, I didn't get to know him before he died, so. I don't know. It was hard. I don't. I don't think about them. I don't. I really don't.
2: After um, after your assault on Jennifer, yeah, in which her arm was broken, her kidney was torn, she had a ruptured spleen, you were arrested. You ended up doing a course called Living Without Violence. Yeah. What did that teach you? Was it a court recommended course?
0: Yeah, it was. Right. What was it? it was a course of let's say about sixteen guys and they'd all seem to go once a week, you know, it starts at different times, so you never really got to meet anyone. But um it was uh
2: To begin with, were you wholehearted about it or were you thinking at any point this I Was all not good in court?
0: No, it wasn't even it wasn't even I had to do it or else I'd be arrested. I wasn't wholehearted, I was scared. I was no way in denial thinking I didn't need the help. So, you know, there were a lot of guys there that thinking, you know, why aren't there courses for women to do? Because my woman gives me such a hard time, she probably deserved what she got.
2: What's your answer to that?
0: Well, I guess, like, most normal New Zealand answers, you know. I I don't want to judge him, you know. I had to take a step back and just let him say his piece. If he firmly believed that, well, you know, maybe he'll have to go that course in a couple of years' time when he maybe can understand I don't know I loved it to be honest it was quite for the first time and I not one you day you loved
2: it from the beginning
0: well no maybe give it the first, first time you know it was just uh, initially once I started it, it was hard no I didn't love it but after the first <laughs> time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a whole you felt like not actually secure but uh, there was a whole group of guys that done the same thing you know it's not like going to a book club or something and you've got this big deep secret and all that they had all done similar things if not worse or they still continuing to do the same things but out of a group of about 16 there were a couple there that maybe wanted to change and there were volunteers there that volunteered themselves to the course to to learn something and I kind of admired those guys you know because there is a lot of help out there but you know, that don't listen to me or my book. You know, I didn't go out there one day when I felt miserable and I thought I was going to do that heinous thing that I'd go find some help. It was pushed on to me. Yeah. You know, I couldn't change that. But there were some good guys in there and there were some valuable lessons in there, which I don't want to ramble off what they were. But I ended up telling Jennifer, I said, Oh, God, i got to go see the cookies tonight and do my course. And she goes, Oh, babe, don't say that. And then a couple of weeks later, I said, nah, you know they're my bad brothers, you know, with bad problems, you know, and they're trying to work through it. It was kind of nice to have some similar stories. And a lot of the stories would go back to childhood learnings or what they'd seen. We all kind of had a similar story of seeing a lot of violence mm. or seeing a lot of trouble there. And they finally, had a group of men that understood, you know, if you weaned out of the 14 that were all total denial about what they do and all that, I found a couple of guys that. Me meant we we're on the same wavelength. And the hardest thing about that course was was um <clears throat> understanding where to, what the um like the lines they teach you, I'd be thinking, shit, that's all foreign to me, you know. That's like I'm trying to jump on the, the train of what they're trying to get at and I think I can't really make sense of it. And I talked to one of the two others that, you know, They'd kind of say, oh, Jay, we're in talking about this type of direction, you know, this feeling or this emotion. That... So
2: when they start talking to you about negative self-talk, yeah, did you get that to begin with?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, a, a little bit of it, you know, because it's been a big part of my life. I guess yeah. everyone has. So I just, uh, it was just well, little aspects. I don't mean to go dumb on you, but um, uh, then I'd straight away just kind of click and I'd see the light come on. I'd think, oh, shit, shit, you guys are in that kind of direction. And then when I started thinking a bit, bit more... It'd be one of those courses you'd learn something, I wouldn't quite understand it, and then I'd be driving home from the course or wake up in the morning and think, oh, God, that's, that's kind of, you know, what what they were on about.
2: A counselling report said that you were in a rare 2% of offenders who were truly sorry for what they'd done. That's not very many. You know, mm. you were in a, a huge minority, which, which... All credit to you, but I find that statistic depressing, Celia. Except, yeah, but
3: the, the thing that, that's if you, and this is where we run foul a lot of the time and a lot of the initiatives we put in in the country in terms of justice, violence and crime. That's operating on a continuum from, from zero to 10. And okay, we've got 10, 2%, so the, so the course is a failure because only 2%. Life's not a straight line. Life's a circle. Now, Joe, JJ, I just picked up then, he very carefully mentioned that that in that course, there was a one of his fellows said, you know, why does my missus go to the course? shes she winds me up and so she deserves it when I smack her, yeah, which is I imagine was basically the conversation. Now that person, the, you know there may be one seed that that person lodges in their brain when they do the course the first time, and they need to grow in an awareness. And so it's a cyclical cyclical journey. Now JJ was in a position where because of where he'd taken his head, he was totally responsive after the first class when he realised, because I mean, there'd be big stuff about I'm dumb, I can't do this, you know, I'm I'm scared, I'll be made embarrassed all of that. And he found likewise like-minded men. Now, so he was lucky, if you like, or his, who he is as a person took him up into that top two percent. But it's really important for us not to say the rest of the other, you know, ninety-eight percent, you know, don't work. It's it's they might have to go that they might have to tread that circle three times. And then the light comes on, and we build social policy around the light has to come on in the first 10 minutes so we can evaluate it and claim credit for mm. it. And that's the nonsense, whereas this is demonstrating. It's, it, it's a long journey, and, you, and every one of the men, JJ has just told us that every one of the men in the course had um, childhood violence. The you know, that's where our work needs to be. But mm. that's where we need to get a hell of a lot better. We can put the stuff up the top end of family violence courts and we can do the stuff and this is magnificent, this is men standing up. But this we've got to get down here. We've got to get to the three year olds who are coming out of violent situations. And we have to instruct women. This is the part that I'm hot on. We have to get women. We have to look at them and say, You stay with that bastard? your kids
2: are going to die. Or they're gonna On the become... other hand, I'm talking to Celia Lashley and J.J. J. Joseph, who's written a book about his turnaround from violence, fighting for my life. On the other hand, J.J., J., yeah. if Jennifer had said to you, out, you know, I never want to see you again, end, would you have turned around? Did she need to stick with you in order for you to turn around? This is contrary to the conventional wisdom, Celia, I think. Huh?
0: Um, yeah, I hear your question that no, I think I honestly would have turned around myself. It was like a breaking point inside myself, you know.
3: But come to, come earlier. Go into in the book. Joe talks about a moment. J, JJ talks about a moment where his mother, um, his mother chose to have his father return to the house. Yeah. Now you know that. I mean, that's a really hard thing for JJ to deal with because his mother he loves his mother deeply and and it doesn't want to leave blame with her but as an outside woman looking in there's a poignant moment where a woman for her own reasons very valid reasons chose to take an abuser back into the house when a little six-year-old boy was in there
2: thereby failing to protect the child. thereby
3: setting up a pattern and actually and I'm not it doesn't all sit with her and jj has made choices throughout his adult life mm. and he's making one now so I'm not excusing the behaviour, and, no, no, and nor is he. But I'm interested in going back to that crucial point where women make unwise decisions, putting putting their need their needs and men's needs before their children's needs.
0: I think once I forgot about or put put away my life as a young fellow and what I seen, and the times holding my brother, crying, wondering, you know, what's going on. Once I really really realised that, even if Jennifer never took me back and I was alone, for that sake alone, I need to be. And I don't want to get the cliche and let like them say a role model for my kids, but there is nothing that I could do so wrong would be to teach my kids what I had learnt, or to raise you know for the the biggest thing for my life now, aside from Jennifer because I love her and I can't say sorry enough. The books for her, but if I can't, I'd be an ass. Oh, I'd be a really stink guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That I could destroy three young boys and have a young little daughter. But it it happens, you know. Oh, for sure, but uh, I have have to figure out what in my life, you know, what is all about my life, you know. Do
2: you think, JJ, that it's possible for, for everybody to turn themselves around? Or did you meet guys on the course or in the process of your life that are beyond help?
0: I wouldn't say anyone's beyond help, you know? Like Cecilia mentioned that it might have to go around two or three times or something to maybe get it. But, um... I don't know. If if you really want to change, you'd change.
2: I'm just... I'm trying to... Because there will be people out there listening to you, and they'll be thinking... Yeah, well, he wasn't hardcore. Mm. There are hardcore guys out there yeah. that there are beyond help. But you yeah. know, you you obviously you know were quite a good guy underneath it all. There will be that kind of separation. Do you know what I mean? I
3: do, and and yeah. I would I would strongly if anyone's listening is beginning to think that allow me you know someone who's been fifteen years in jail in jails and who's worked in the system. Yeah. JJ was hardcore. Don't don't make it nice by in the sense of oh well he's he's different.
0: And even if I was yeah, self sorry. Cecilia to my little kids and to my to my wife it was nothing you know for a little kid seeing any kind of yelling or any kind of abuse in their eyes which I finally learned when me thinking oh I wasn't much you know you know for what they would have known their father at the time they would have been scared you know so you wouldn't have to be hardcore or softcore to actually scare a little kid you know what I mean or scare a, a frail woman you know, but. and we need we need the we need the jails for the for the hardcore who choose not to
3: change because that's the piece to keep inserting along the along the journey of whatever kind of offending you're doing and violent offending or criminal offending. Um, my experience is that we have to constantly insert the moment, despite the history, despite the the, the chaos of the background, despite the excuses that could be made. Our job, those of us who are maintaining the system and working it, is to keep inserting and today you choose, and today you choose, and today you choose. So you had a terrible life, but, but in the aftermath of this assault on Jennifer, JJ stood up and in that moment chose to do it differently. Now, we, keep the, we need the hardcore, the people who want the hardcore violent offenders locked up. Absolutely fine. Prison waits for them. We have to get very skilled at what we do with them in prison, a lot more skilled than we are now. But the issue is if to continually offer people the opportunity and today you choose. You like this life. And so the, the, the writing people off is a, is a... New Zealanders are very good at that. Middle-class New Zealanders is fantastic at writing people off as being beyond hope because that takes them off the hook. And I won't let them get off the hook. Mm. It's ours. It's our problem. But keep giving people choices. And JJ, again, my reason for the, you know to backing this is he's made a choice. He stood in a moment... He looked at the horror of what he'd done, and he made a choice.
0: I had a lot of times that I could have mucked up, you know. A lot of times things seemed that hard, and I missed my family so much. I couldn't see no light at the end of the tunnel. Many times I'd lay in bed when I was away from my family, because I had to be on Home D. And just, you know, just thinking, oh, I was dying, you know. I was thinking, uh, how can I, how can I... Get through this, you know. Is there ever gonna be? I'll ever be back with my family. I'd lay down and think, why didn't I just cherish the times earlier before this happened? You know, a lot of insight thought about what I could have done or should have done. A lot of times I just felt, I don't know, I was that wound up. That's why I wrote that book to get a lot of emotions out of me. That uh, many times I thought, you know, not in the case I want to die, you know, you know, just don't want to even talk about that, but I, I, I had a lot of times I. I could have mucked up, but I just kept on. You were home on her detention with your grandmother, eh? Right? Yeah.
2: And as we said before, thank heavens for your grandmother. She oh, hell woman. yes. What would you have done without her?
0: <clears throat>
2: Where would you have gone?
0: I would have ended up, I would have I gone to jail. Wouldn't See, that's,
2: it's like everybody needs that that one person that's going to take you in yeah. and enable you to make those choices, Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure, and not judge you because you know, it's a risk. My isn't case it? felt bad enough, you know, uh, but yeah, you, you need someone.
3: It's not always about um, taking in, though. The thing, again, for teachers listening and social workers, and I'm constantly talking about it's about believing in somebody. Every one of us needs, there's, there's a couple of things we need. This is just to re- reassure people they don't have to make available bedrooms. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. if, if, to take it into real context, it's when a six year old walks into the classroom. And the teacher's eyes flick at them and the teacher thinks, oh God, I've got another one from that family. You see, that's the stuff that the kids are often dealing with all the time. So every one of us deserves to know that there's someone who would step between us and the world. And I mean, I often talk about my kids, you know, that I think... The the um the people they are because uh, partly because they know even as in their both in their thirties that I'd step between them and the world in a heartbeat. Mm. So you know, there's the, everyone needs that. Everyone needs someone, and who sees us as we truly. No matter are.
2: just I need to. No matter what they do. No matter what they do.
3: And it doesn't mean that I would excuse their bad behaviour. And believe me, on several occasions, especially with that boy of mine, I haven't excused his bad behaviour. But it's not about that. It's about I see the essence of who you are. I like and love the essence of who you are. And, And children want to know... That, that that little children find their way into the magic that's inside them when every one of them has a sense that there's one person on earth who believes in me who s- truly sees me, and so it's it's not only about taking them in; it's about that that we that we op, you know that everyone has the right to have someone who champions them in the moment that they have the option to make that choice. But it doesn't mean you make your spare bedroom available. It does mean that you act with moral courage, and remove some of your bias when you look towards the kids that come out of some of these families. Mm and take away that you know pardon me but that white middle class judgement that says oh it's those people which we are rife in in this country and you know it's just that shaking people out of that complacency mm.
2: yeah. it hasn't been an an easy steady rise for you jj there've been as you've said difficult times i think you described a christmas day where things could have turned bad again and they didn't can you just talk me through that how how you avoid falling back again what do you? What do you, What's in your head to stop you from falling right back into the old passion?
0: Um. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that because they could just you know I could just read the book. But um, it's all it's all through remembering um, it's all through remembering my life as a young fella and and the pains I'd seen, and never trying to forget it. I think I spent all this time to, you know. Talk to it happened, and I had to face up to it. It was looking deep inside myself. I thought I was a non-important person, which I'm a big influence on my kids and people around me, that uh, I wanted to die all my life. thought I had no self-worth, and I was a piece of shit. Your
2: brother committed suicide, didn't he? Yeah. And which um, was a huge pain for you.
0: Yeah, but I blocked that out for forever too, you know. Um, and he was right there with me when we were younger. I was only three years older than him. But it all... It all comes back to keep me on the straight and narrow is uh, those little kids of mine, you know. It's gone bigger than Jennifer and, and me. I love her, you know, I have to try um just never scare her again. Just constantly, the main goal is not to scare her and not to scare my kids. And um, all I've gained now from this, from this is uh, to be content with myself, you know. Warts and all. It's embarrassing for me talking about it. People say I should be proud of what I've done. And I can't even give myself that, you know. I, I hate it through the shame of being a little father and what Dad done to actually, you know, i got workmates, a couple know I wrote a book, might be listening. The whole whole embarrassment of it is a big shame to me. You know, that's why I think I feel like a shell of a man and I don't want to go into the good things I feel. But everything that keeps me honest is because I'm am ai a... I'm a it could be a threatening nature for for you know if you live a, well, a whole life wanting to die, if you live your whole life wanting for people to try to kill you, because I was too weak to try to kill myself because of so much stuff that was going on in me.
2: That's what you say in the book. You wanted someone to kill you. You put yourself out there in order to die. In I've some done
0: ways. it done it all my life, and yet it, sometimes I shake my head and wonder why I'm still here. And I tell you to this day, I'm so glad I'm still here so glad I got a chance with my wife and my family that I'm home yeah and all that keeps me going is that I'm content with myself that, that's better I'm sorry to keep saying it again like I'll get back to the hotel and I'll think oh god I wish I would have said that or I wish I would have shut up and <laughs> I just wanted to put it out there that I'm highly embarrassed it's a it's a big thing for me you know I, I want it over and done with I hope it helps someone through it you know I didn't do it to help someone. I've done it for a sorry to my wife. And my kids, if they get older, they may want to read it. I can't wait till I get over this publicity bit and they forget <laughs> about me.
2: You're not, yeah, uh-uh. you don't want to make a lifetime career out of being an evangelist oh, for the cause of nah, nonviolence. Hell, no, I want to, hell no. You want to get back to your life.
0: Well, that's your the real life. life year to date. And I just want to get along with my life with some better, better training and uh, yeah. just... Try a you realise that
2: there'll be a lot of pressure on you, of course, to go out and talk to people, and talk to schools, and talk to guys, and talk to the general community about how it's possible mm. to turn you out. Like,
0: maybe it might be I was like a bit naive, even when I thought I'd write a book. I'd never mm. thought anyone would mm. take it on. I don't want to go in the long bore you with about how that came around, but I'd be yeah, maybe to so. Know. That's why I wanted to how go kind of come, anonymous. How,
2: how did it come around?
0: Um, how did it come around? Well, I wrote the book or yeah, I got it out there. Both. Okay, um, How'd you get it out there? Well, yeah, I got it out there. I just uh, wrote it out in pen three times till someone could read it. Sent it out to a typist. She typed it out, and I just went online to New Zealand publishers, and I just fired it out to about seven different publishers, <laughs> and none of them wanted it. I got the letter back saying, "Oh no, you know, as much as we kind of liked your book, we don't think it's suitable for general public." You know, that's <laughs> <not quite> great. <laughs> QED. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Then I was going to burn it, and then uh, next minute, Exile, Ian. What? He um he rang me up and he wanted a meeting and then it happened from there.
2: And this is Exile Publishing that's put it out. When you were actually writing it, did you know from day one when you started writing that you would try and get it published or was it to begin with an internal record, a record just for you?
0: Yeah, it was it was my way of trying to self-heal myself, you know, oh. and I didn't take 100% safety in that, knowing that I've done my life all this far and I've kind of done just about everything wrong except for create beautiful kids, but uh, it was to keep myself from, from um, oh, I was just too emotional, you know, I had no one to bore my crap onto, Jennifer wasn't there so I could hound her and when I started writing it I realised I had that much stuff going on in my head, you know, I, I was even thinking, you know, poor Jennifer, I burdened her with all my all my problems of my life and the way h- how low I, I feel in myself.
2: The interesting thing about the book, as I said before, is that it's it's sort of written in in real time, so you can go with you in the struggle. It's a hugely difficult thing to work out what you're feeling and what you're thinking, you know. As a it's to bring it out from the internal to the external. Yeah. You've explained it extraordinarily well.
0: I could never write that book again. When I started, I was fully emotional, God, I didn't know what was going on. And then slowly as I keep doing whatever I was doing through that book, yeah. the change was all happening. Like when I wrote that book, it's called-
2: so, I tell you, it is so refreshing, JJ, to read it because mm. one is so accustomed to reading autobiographical, autobiographical books in Recollected, you know, so yeah. people put patterns on them that really never existed. The fact that you're really feeling it as you're writing it is extraordinarily powerful.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I don't, th- I guess it's whole life of thinking I could never, never do anything and all that. I'm kind of proud of it in the fact it's been the first thing I've ever done in my life and completed actually. But when I got through to the end of my book, What's well, hard for me. It's all right being an outside reader and just to take what you can, whatever you can from it or however you walk away from my book. But when I think back and read back further to the beginning, I think I was a bloody idiot, you know. It's hard for me to not think you're fool. you know, and, and it's that's what I used to think through most of my life. And what, what pressure I put on people and, and Jennifer and trying to help when, it, you know. And he just kind of realizing it was me to help myself or to you know, get the help, there, whatever help I got. So it's hard. Oh, That's well, why I you, want to put that book behind me because yeah, it's just, shattering. I kind of learnt now what maybe people was taught to learn from the get-go. Yeah. You know? you know, yeah, and I feel like I'm, I'm about 20 steps behind a, people when course. I thought I was a, a clever chump. Hey, you know, I was just, a, <laughs> just an idiot. <laughs> Sad face eh?
2: well I don't know you did a crash course uh, in the whole thing and you're streets ahead of most people at this point I would have thought yeah there were a lot of agencies involved yeah uh, in in your recovery there was siF and there was family court and there was parent line and there was marriage counseling were they all necessary or can you think when you think back was there a was there a better way to have to have dealt with you? Was there a more helpful way?
0: Um, funny enough, most of those scenes kind of um took a step back, give us a bit of direction and wanted to see where we were gonna go with it. I was um Jennifer and I were were totally shocked with like with sibs and everything. They kinda you know, they already had their prejudged thing because, you know, yeah. as soon as you kinda do a crime like that, well there's I guess there's a whole lot of protocols. Machinery starts, and, that's yeah, right. But they they kinda took a step back. And we just fired out those things that I decided to do in my book just to show them we're, you know, scared, you know. The first drop of the hat that our kids might get taken or, you know, they would never get taken off Jennifer, but they're already already out of my hands, you know. We're going to give them whatever it took just to show them we're going to, you know, not going to be in this position in X amount of time to come. So, um...
2: You didn't do everything that they wanted, though. They just wanted you to talk to a psychologist and you said, no, I've, you know i had enough
0: of a psychologist. Did you read the end of my book? i sure I said I'd I done the psychologist book. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was hard. It was, it was, um, I did do it. And um I think I just make things up, replay a scenario in my head so many times that I make it harder than what it was. Yeah. I just figured, and like even now, today was hard for me. I was nervous as, you know, and I didn't hear bad things about you, but I hear you. <laughs> oh, <and> I went... <laughs> I hear you. Don't go there. No, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> an incisive endeavour. I'll, I'll tell you what, I was nervous. But then everything comes down to nothing was ever as painful as when I hurt Jennifer. And they, I wasn't allowed near the hospital so I get ar- arrested. None of the family would talk to me. And I didn't have my kids. So everything else is really just. Piece of cake. Yeah, well, for sure. Actually. I think i just got to take a bit more confidence in myself and just do it. Like, I'm enjoying my time here. and
2: You've always and, I mean, worked, eh? Hey?
0: Oh, always worked, I mean, that's yeah. another
2: blow to the stereotype because a lot of people go, you know, the violent guys and they're on the dole and they do the... But you've always worked. You've mm. always provided for your family.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing is that because my, my father didn't, you know. We were on the DPB. We'd eat good one week and we'd, uh, you know, have to Rob or we'll do something to eat good the next week. Do you week.
2: think that... The, you always working enabled you to think, Well, I'm not like my father when in fact in huge ways you were, but you were able to forget about those bits.
0: Yeah, um I don't know. I know you you want an answer for that. I can't I don't know. I think I work just so Oh, I just want bread and milk on the table. Yeah. You know, then when my kids Yeah, That's want right. my kids to try to live healthy, you know, whether or not they're lacking out on other things in life. No, it's just a case of working. You know, everyone's got to work. I wasn't going to be anything different. Mm. Plus, I guess it took care of my day. You know, it took care of um, thinking time I had through. You know, whatever. It was just occupy myself and maybe give uh, Jennifer a break from me for eight hours of a day. I don't know. I always work till I die. I guess I have nothing, so I just got to work. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> how um, how typical is JJ's story, Cena?
3: It's incredibly typical, I think, uh, but at the same time, and I'm um, I'm grateful to you for picking up so clearly about the extraordinary skill that he had in in writing this in a way that... um that was in the present, so we we were able to travel through the stuff with him, and I fully understand his sense of I look at the beginning and think i can 't go there anymore and he could and he couldn 't write that book now so the um he is the the general threat is that he 's incredibly typical um, at the same time as there's a particular spirit in him, a particular thing that happened that in uh, a lot of synchronistic moments, if you like, where oh. people became involved at at crucial times, and he I pick up that there's a thread that he did have a sense that he had a choice. You know. I mean,
2: the thing is, excuse us talking about you as if you're not here, that's JJ. Not but I'm looking is. at JJ. He's a hell of a nice guy. He is a hell of a nice guy. I mean, I like him so much. Would I always have liked him? Would he always have been able to present himself like this, even in the dark days?
3: I suspect so. I, th- I mean, the thing that's a really interesting point, Kim. I mean, walking the wings of prisons and meeting men who've who've committed fairly heinous crimes, and I, there's very few of them I didn't like. No. When, you, when you look in their eyes, women fall a in love boy. with them,
2: want to marry them. Well, yeah, some no, some
3: saying. of that stuff is a bit concerning, but but the but more the point of the gorgeous people that they are. Like every my my sense is every every adult, you know, every child's born full of magic, and 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 you're seeing some of JJ's magic, and and he's had an opportunity. To um, to bring it out, he is in my mind. He's he's typical, and in no way does that belittle. He's not typical in that he's managed to put this down, and he's now, despite incredible nervousness, and he's taken a lot of persuasion through the whole process to even be here and to even write the book. Yeah, I've that, that, but you've,
2: you've but he's come through. It. He has. In fact, up. I haven't been able to shut you up for <laughs> the last half hour. <laughs> so that's
3: cool. But, but I guess uh, the the comment, the other comment that I would make, and just in something you said, and taking the opportunity while it's there, is. When you asked J.J. what stops him from falling back, he made reference, he didn't de- delve into it very much, but he made reference to the pain that he suffered as a little boy sits with him all the time. Not, yes, he's sorry for what he did to Jennifer, and yes, the, the adult stuff's there, but sitting with him all the time. He's opened up the door to the pain of himself as a child, and that's the real key, that's the real gift that we have, is that, that when, when we can bring forward those memories and people get the strength to live in that memory not to roll around in it he's not, a, he's not in self-pity No, really but, not but a part of who he is every day is that there's a in, in my visual sense there's a room in his life that the door was shut and locked and that was his childhood and the, and the crying holding his brother crying while his mother was being beaten and holding his mother while she cried so that door was locked and padlocked and what he's done is he's opened it and the door's open and there's fresh air moving through it and he doesn't spend a lot of time in that room but it's a part of the rooms of his life and so that's the gift that he's given us or he's given me is that reinforcement of my perception that how we beat this how we beat these incredibly negative statistics how we we get so depressed in and we've got shocking stats and everyone you know talks about it all the time and I live in eternal hope I've never lost the hope because of this is the way forward men like like JJ a man like JJ has stood up and has shown us that actually there's a way out of this now the question will be you know, what, whether people can learn the lesson. But he's done his piece. He deserves now to go back to his life.
2: You do. And I wish, you know, I wish you well on that. I don't, you know, I don't want you to to have huge pressure put on you to be a trophy guy, you know, a trophy yeah. guy.
0: Because I'd feel like a hypocrite, honestly. It's, I guess until the day I forgive myself and about it, I feel like, don't bloody listen to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. it's got extraordinary humility. like ability. if you've got... Um, mm-hmm. I was told at a very young age that I was an angry boy and I should get some help, and it'd be like if they told me before this happened, I'd tell you, you know, get away, you know, (laughs) (laughs) things ain't that bad, mate, we're dealing with it.
2: Do you, is every day, like, you know what, you know what, AA, one day at a time, is it like that for you? Nah. Are you okay?
0: You're on solid ground now. Yeah. I'm trustworthy.
2: Oh, good! <laughs> you I'm trust hanging out yourself. for
0: this to finish and get it to Papa Museum and check out Wellington. Um, no, it's, it's not a case of trying to hang out for another smack in the head or something. Or you know, it's a.
2: It, that's fantastic uh, to trust yourself like
0: that. Yeah, well, I've I've always set myself up to fail. You know, I've always set myself up to sabotage my life. And sometimes, if I start drifting back, I think maybe I've done that. book for my biggest sabotage to myself, but. <laughs> it, it, it's not ending up that way, I think I read too much into it, you know. Um, but no, it's it's quite easy because I I know what's important to me.
3: And he's got three boys who will not yeah. be abusers and a little girl who will not choose a bad partner.
0: Well, the best thing is there's is good things about me and I'm not a piece of shit like I always thought. You know what I mean? That's the that's the hardest thing for me to understand. And uh, I just never tried at anything in life because I always always thought I'd fail, but I don't seem to fail. So I, I'm, I'm 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 all right. Hey, that's a, I've never said that before, but. I'm okay. Yes. <laughs> That's why I wanted anonymous, so people would like, go, "Oh no, I know, I know that fellow, and that he's not okay." But, but forget, oh. forget your eh mate. Like, I just want to now.
2: Will you sign your book for me?
0: Um. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Here's a pen.
2: Thank you so much for coming in, no, JJ pleasure. Joseph, who's the author of a book called "Finding for My Life" that is uh, that is really worth reading, and Celia Lashley, of the Good Man Project.